today's guest, Constanze Buchheim. Instead of preparing for this complexity and um, instead of preparing for this collaboration need and things like that, leaders at the moment build comfort zones. Mm. Yeah. So, How does a comfort zone um, look like? <laughs> how does a comfort zone look like? I'm putting together leadership teams and um, I'm not focusing on how they can challenge us mm. and how they can be uncomfortable and say their mind and have a real discussion culture, mm. but I'm uh, recruiting uh, yes-sayers. Yeah, okay. Uh, yes-sayers, and I'm not implementing feedback structures because I'm saying, oh, see, we're in a crisis, we have to act quick, um, we don't have a lot of time mm. for integrating other opinions or feedback or whatever. We're doing what I'm saying, um, and then they're adding a lot of people around them who say, yes, he or she is right, um, uh, and they think, uh, of course, speed is important. Yeah, But if you're running with speed into the wrong direction you know, because you did not hear all those other uh, opinions, that's a threat. Constanze and I talked about executives on hiring them, but also the different types of leadership styles you see when an organization is growing from an early stage to a growth stage to a more established stage, and also what types of leadership styles are common in these areas and also from different company types, how they can differ and how you can transition. We also talked about mistakes that Constanze saw in executive search and um, also leadership teams on how they can collaborate better and what are the top patterns of leaders that are relevant for the future and what we need more of. So I think it's a very interesting and insightful episode for everybody who is touch-basing or is interested in um, working with executives, being an executives or hiring executives then you can build trust and then you can spend less time communicating and more time just getting shit done. Then I went home and, and thought about this sentence. We basically put it on the table. Hiring takes time. People are trained. How to objectively judge certain situations. It's very, 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 very hard to change things. That was the learning. Entrepreneurs with empathy. On the people side. Hi, Constanze. Happy to interview you today. So I have a book in front of me. When the, when the fit is right, magic happens. That's a quote from Chris O'Neill, CEO Evernote, in your company notebook. Uh -huh. What's the context behind that? Oh, I, I love that. Uh, I love that quote. Um, so I'm a firm believer of the idea that recruiting and leadership is pretty much linked. Um, and if you manage to really define yourself as a leader, your company and what it's what it's all about. And you're able to translate that into recruiting and to connect the dots of those criteria to your leadership principles, then you're creating a system of uh, people who work, but while working, they're realizing what's important for them. So you'll you'll have a really magical system because by intention and by inner motivation, people will do what is best for them and the company. And if we manage it, 
uh, to integrate it in our defin definitions um, for society as well. And how, how would you define fit? Fit is, um, yeah, fit is match. So basically um, your inner values, your principles match the principles of the organi organization and the principle the organization came up with again um, should be linked to what's the value we create on the market. So if your values match the values of the company and the values of the company match the value that you create on the market for those who pay for your uh, products or services, um, then you have an alignment that helps you to neglect uh, a lot of rules. Mm. And this is what I love about the Netflix culture. Uh, they, they came up with um, uh, two books uh, that I loved and are really much linked to this, to this concept. Um, uh, and one of them is No Rules Rules. And they say... You, you can neglect rules if you build a really consistent system. And how does this then work? Because people think independent and know by principle what the decision-making framework or style would be. And then you trust in the people that they make the right decisions or what's, what's behind that? Uh, what's behind that is um, above all reflection. Everything starts with reflection and um, clarity And then communication. Mm -hmm. uh, so once you realized um, what really is important, and a lot of companies don't invest that time, you know, they just do and they just act and they're not reflecting it. Um, and uh, if you're reflecting it, if you have clarity, and if you're able to translate this into communication and into all your leadership systems, for example, um, Uh, okay, what's an, what's an example? So, um, from our perspective, we are, we're an executive search company. Yeah. We are a modern executive search company and we define ourselves as, um, partners who enable the companies we work for, um, to move into the future. To be able to move into the future, we have to change things that we, that we did so mm -hmm. far. Uh, And uh, we have to leave our comfort zone and we have to face the brutal facts. So um, for us, it's an important uh, behavior that we are really, really, really honest, like really, fully, fully, fully honest. And um, what we uh, did then is to translate the behavior that we have and the success factor that we have being really honest to move those companies forward and those leaders we are working with uh, forward, um, we integrated that into our uh, leadership principles and into our core principles. In German, it's hundertprozentige uh, Aufrichtigkeit. In in English, I guess it's hundred percent honesty and authenticity. Hard word, authenticity. Yes. Um, and um, uh, we're communicating this, yeah, and we're trying to create stories and telling those stories and. We are integrating this into our recruiting. So once we are having interviews, uh, one thing that we assess uh, is uh, how authentic someone is, how honest someone is. How do you uh, measure authenticity? That's a good question. Um, it's um, asking a tough question and um, like a, a, a question that somehow a little bit vulnerable or, or like 
asks you to become a little bit vulnerable. Um, for example, like we don't ask it, but uh, it's a it's an it's a well known example. So if you're asking for someone's uh, weaknesses, yeah, that's a question that would open some vulnerability. And if someone is giving you a book answer like "I'm not so good in sports," yeah, um, and you have someone in front of you who's obviously good in sports, yeah. Um, th that's not a good answer. Yeah, but it, if it, someone's sitting there and saying, you know, I have uh, that problem that um, when it's getting really, 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 really uh, tough, and um, we have tensions in the relationships, I start to procrastinate because mm -hmm. I'm afraid of those tensions, and I'm really working hard on it. I'm reflecting on it. Um, and this is what I did so far. I'm like, okay, wow, uh, that's an answer. Uh, and what if somebody has no weaknesses? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm joking. If, if, well, you have those answers as well, right? Yes. If someone has no weaknesses, there's all, obviously no reflection or yeah. not too much reflection <laughs> or not the ability to share. And I mean, it's not the question that you share everything. Um, it's just, just this finding the right um portion of being your true self mm. uh, i think that's so important um for enabling the future and working in modern uh, leadership cultures as an employee but also as a as a leader uh, um so that's really really important for us and just to make it make it short like make the make the link this is how we connect it yeah so translate what's important for you in all your actions and all your systems that mm -hmm. could prolong this uh, like feedback rules things like that um, just be consistent in what you do mm -hmm. and therefore you need to define it upfront very clearly as you said right exactly. and everybody also every manager needs to know exactly what is expected but also every employee because otherwise how can you um, exactly um, Streamline and, it, yeah. Exactly. And that's why we are, for example, doing an onboarding, yeah, cultural onboarding. So if someone joins uh, iPotentials, then we're doing cultural onboarding uh, to be really to be really explicit about the implicit, as I say it. Mm -hmm. yeah. So the, the more you're able to make the implicit explicit, the faster someone is able to join, to really onboard, mm -hmm. to... Um, make sure we are all on the right spot because uh, that's uh, a part of the onboarding. Yeah, finding finding out if you're if you're right. What are some mistakes you found, maybe patterns that companies make when evaluating or looking for a fit? Yeah, um, it's not so easy, right, to build that systematic approach in evaluating somebody for a certain profile no. or competencies or whatever you look for it's not so easy so what's um what's done wrong in most of the cases is pretty much linked to uh what i already already said so if you want to find the best candidate an excellent candidate for the position um, we see a lot of companies who think there's a broad definition of excellent mm -hmm. yeah so um a person is good or is not good. But the truth is that excellent recruiting means that you understand yourself as a company and that you're able to def define excellence for your company because what's excellent for your company might not be excellent for my company. Yes. 
And um, most people don't get it. And they don't, they don't define excellence with regards to their situation in terms of what's their strategy, what's their stage they're in, what's their uh, business model, what's their success factors. Mm. Um, and all those things have to define a kind of persona um, that you're looking for. And if you're having this basis as a company, um, you're you're way better in uh, in recruiting. And if then you're really thinking about, okay, what's the task and what's um, the competencies we additionally need to all those things that I just said. Yeah. And you're coming up with a profile that's not only targeting on abilities and competencies, um, like general competencies, but you're like really able to define specific competencies needed for the role, specific personality traits that are needed for the role, specific um, attitude uh, points yeah, that are needed to fit into the culture, then you're able to go out and hunt. Mm. Yeah. And this is what, that's the second mistakes, yeah, mistake. Um, most people wait for the perfect candidate to apply and they include mistake one. They even don't know who's the perfect candidate. Mm. Yeah, but so. how, how do you get to that point that you are really can, that you can say, okay, I put in the proof of work mm -hmm. that I really know that this type of candidate is the right one for a certain um, defined profile. And how also you, you, you said how we define the profile, but also how then you really make sure that also all the participants are calibrated in the right way. Because mm -hmm. usually interviewing is also meeting many people, let's mm -hmm. say maybe five to nine sometimes even. Mm -hmm. And if in the beginning with the main stakeholders, mm -hmm. you are aligned, but then the other 60% of the panel, they, they are not aligned, then you have another problem, right? Because then you again, maybe have a, a good profile that oh. fits, but... You, you don't get it oh. through because that have, that would have been my third mistake. Okay, uh, I would uh, I would say, but let's start. But it's it's missing alignment. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, missing alignment of all those who are involved in the uh, interview process, and this also starts with um, a lot of companies don't have um, management principles, so they are not translating their culture and what's important um, from. A, principle perspective into management mm -hmm. pr principles in terms of what do I expect from a leader in this company? Um, what's, what needs to be multiplied? Yeah. That's the general uh, alignment. I don't see a lot of companies who, uh, who do that, which is a hard mistake because your leaders are your multipliers. Um, if you do it right, yeah, if you align, if you don't align them, uh, they're the one who come up with separate systems. Yeah. yeah. So um, everybody brings their own style. Yeah, every, everybody brings their own style, and um, the same is true on the deeper level in an interview. Yeah. So um, people don't start with the definition of the process, um, how the process of hiring someone will look like, and who will be involved. Mm -hmm. um, so if they don't have this process right, they cannot set up the the, um, the, the def definition of the profile right because uh, if they start thinking about who will be involved. Um, six weeks after the process started, new parts of the definition come up because new ideas come up and things like, like that. So what we do in executive searches is uh, in the, when we do our briefing, for example, is that we're saying who will be involved in this process. 
And uh, we are speaking to each and every person who will have a veto in the process. And um, with all the uh, thoughts, um, we're coming up with a profile and then we ask everyone, is this in line? Are we aligned? Are we clear mm -hmm. about the profile? And if that's not clear, we don't start. That's good. Yeah. In case you like my show, please subscribe. I would really appreciate it. And it sounds so simple that this actually makes sense, but it's so hard to achieve in reality because you work with top executives. Mm -hmm. They don't have time even for internal mm -hmm. important things. And then why should they then spend time with somebody they just know on a, mm -hmm. a profile that is not even ready to interview to just have one or two hours of a conversation, right? So how do you make sure that you also get the time with them and then mm -hmm. spend it right? People want to be heard. Yeah. So people want to have a say. If you're signaling them, hey, uh, you are important in this mm -hmm. process, Uh, you will have a veto in this process. Therefore, you will have a responsibility in this process. And I'm asking you to take on this responsibility and spend 30 or 45 minutes with us. Um, you will get leaders yeah, um, to step in. Plus, um, the best leaders understand that with the best hiring, um, you're helping yourself the most. Mm -hmm. So... Uh, it's a question of opportunity costs. Yeah, imagine we are hiring someone, or we are not able to hire someone um, because we are not aligned. Yeah, opportunity costs go up and up and up and up as long as the position is not filled. And if we don't find the right candidate and we have the wrong candidate, every good leader knows how much time goes into a person that's not a fit. So um, if you have an experienced leader, um, uh, they will step in. And mm. they will step in and they're really happy to uh, to contribute. If we're having uh, very inexperienced leaders, which sometimes happens if we're working with scale-ups, then we're um, telling them what's going to happen and we're telling them why we need it. And if there's still no, um, no uh, willingness to spend some time, we are stopping the search. We're not doing the search. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it totally makes sense because then you are so... It's also in a contract, right? You have duties and you also mm -hmm. have um, some rights. So if they don't exactly. stick to the duties, then they also don't get the rights. <laughs> well, and and it's it's a sign for the process. Yeah, yeah? So if you're not uh, if you're not willing to invest like 30 minutes or 45 minutes into, um, yeah, making your partner smart, mm -hmm. yeah. Um, then we will have the same problems throughout the process. We will not have the speed in the process that we need and things like that. So that's not going to work because we're working with excellent candidates um, who expect a quick and uh, decisive process. Uh, and uh, if we already have the problem in the beginning, then it's, it's not going to work. Mm. And what we did not do, can you also give us a bit context about yourself? Because I think you have also a very relevant background that mm -hmm. also the listeners understand where you're coming from that you can judge certain mm -hmm. things in a certain way mm -hmm. sure um so i started my career in a uh, in a fast-growing startup um spreadshirt and um, i was building up the hr department there and um wanted to work with headhunters and executive search boutiques and had to learn that they did not understand us it was back in 2006 2007 um, and they had no idea. They did not understand the digital functions. They did not understand the um, structural dynamics. They did not understand the culture that we needed in those um, really early days. Um, and at the same time, I was in the, at the core of the 
um, back then a rising startup scene and met a lot of founders and they all had the same problems. And then in 2009, I said, okay, I found my own company, uh, iPotentials, as an executive search boutique focusing on finding leaders for uh, companies who are really um, going into the future. Yeah. So in the beginning, that meant working with startups um, and finding really entrepreneurial, digital um, thinking uh, people, really generalistic to be able to to build up in, a, uh, in, in, in seed stages. We lot of, worked with a lot of um, startups back then, like Deliver Hero and uh, My Muesli and um, yeah, a lot of, a lot of uh, really cool places. Um, and then back in 2013, 2014, the German corporates came to Berlin um, because they realized they had to innovate. Uh, and they said, okay, we need people who are able to write on a white sheet of paper as well. Who do you work with? And uh, all the startups, because we were well positioned there, uh, said high potentials. So that was a really fast move then because um, right ahead, we started working with um, uh, small, medium-sized, um, older uh, German companies, uh, family companies, um, and also like huge corporations like uh, DAX companies, yeah, mm -hmm. because they all had this problem that they were in a transformation as well, not as we had known it in the in the scale up growth situation, but they had this uh, innovation problem. Yeah, so they needed the same kind of people who understand new business models, new leadership cultures. Um, uh, but still are able to manage a growing company mm -hmm. uh, or transforming company. <coughs> Sorry, and and we um, we work there and placed um, placed leaders um, there as well. And meanwhile, we're um, in a well placed, uh, positioned executive search boutique for this um, very special type of uh, of leader who's able to lead a company into the future. Um, and uh, yeah, build really customer-centric, uh, employee-centric, but also um, sustainable uh, companies. Yeah. And um, we are a team of 25 people um, based here in uh, Berlin. Um, to 60% we're working in the late stages, meanwhile, and to 40% we're in the scale-up um, uh, stages, um, because the real early stages are not for not 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 good. Yeah, they cannot uh, afford you. They cannot afford us, and um, uh, it's it's not so good to hire an external leader in this very early stage. And um, by what, what's what's the threshold for you scale up versus late stage? How do you define it? Um, so scale up is uh, the situation where you're um, where you secured finances to multiply. Um, your proof of concept that you came up with. Yeah? And later stage is the situation when you did this for years and years and years and came up with structures mm. and you need to redefine yourself uh, again and question yourself, is the product, is the service that we're offering still the right? Um, do we have to change? That's um, the stage uh, part. And what would you say would differentiate um, executive teams of maybe startups or mm. scale-ups? Then maybe later stage companies and also the maybe classical German Mittelstand or corporates. Um, um, I'll, uh, yeah, I'll have an, I have an uh, answer to that. Maybe to under, uh, help you understand, uh, it's important to add some, some, some more uh, things 
before because what I realized when we when we started working a lot for those older companies, um, I said, okay, we we need to stay connected with the startup economy um, because we bring innovation to the old economy mm-hmm. um, by leadership. And uh, as this was not really possible uh, with our potentials because we were focusing on later stages, um, I started becoming an investor um, and um, uh, like shareholder and, and um, advisory uh, board for those younger companies. Um, and um, I work a lot uh, with them. I'm speaking a lot. I'm giving a lot of speeches and uh, therefore in connection with a lot of startups to stay connected with them. And I'm also trying to work in the ecosystem. So I'm in the um, supervisory board of a uh, business school to uh, um yeah, talk about what future leadership needs and um, also trying to create an ecosystem that's uh, sustainable in terms of balanced um, balanced power, which is um, the reason why I'm, um, yeah, what's the word, consulting uh, the German government um, as well in those topics. And by doing this, yeah, um, by doing this, uh, I saw um, very typical... Uh, situations, yeah, and very typical leadership styles that are linked to uh, your use case. Um, and those use cases are pretty much linked to the stages a company is in. Uh, is in. And uh, we work with a model. You can uh, look up uh, for that. It's it's called Greiner uh, mm-hmm. model, which shows different stages a company is in and the leadership crises you get in while moving to through those stages yeah? and so there's this really early stage then there is uh, scale if you manage to, to come to scale um, then you have uh, uh, things like uh, profitization because you're in, a, in an IPO uh, things like that and then at some point you're getting this really mature situation and in each of these situations you need a different leadership style and that's the mindfuck for leaders because what brought you to a certain situation will stop the future growth, Mm -hmm. which is really, really, really hard to get. For example, um, in the very early stage of a a company, and this is what's typical for the the seed stage, the early stage, um, you need relationships. You need a relational uh, leadership style and people connect via relations. um, Within the company also to the outside? uh, Both. Everything happens via relations. Um, so you get uh, referrals for employees via relations. You get That's everything true. happens uh, via relation because it's all about trust, and trust flows in relationships. Mm-hmm. Yeah? And you need this trust because you don't have a brand. Yeah. Yeah? So you need a replacement, um, a trust replacement. This is relationships. So your leadership style will be relationship driven, which means, okay, it's so important that you're here. Yeah. And as I want you to be here in this company, we're kind of building the company around you. So mm. we're really like in deep inter uh, interaction. And so this is what we learn as, uh, as startup founders or as founders, we really learn that relational leadership style. Uh, um, and at some point when your company grows, your team grows, um, it's not possible anymore to manage those relationships and not. When does this start? And yeah. what company size? At around 50 to 100 people, something like this? It's uh, around 30, 30. Um, and up going. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It somehow works for 30, but 50 really is, mm. 
is the end. Yeah, and that's the latest point where you have to shift from relationship-driven uh, leadership style to a structure-driven hmm. leadership style. This is also where a lot of companies fail. The first, exactly. the first executive team or leadership team they hire, it's usually not working. Exactly, and such it's such a, a hard mm. culture shift. Yeah, because at that point, in in in, in the beginning, it's really like okay, you are so important and our relationship is so important um, we'll manage to do everything and the step to this popularization and structure led um, leadership style is okay it's most interesting and most relevant what's in the interest of the organization not of the individual mm. so the interest of the organization gets more important for some time than Building around an individual, mm -hmm. yeah, and people hate that, of mm -hmm. course. Yeah? And this is you're this not is, special anymore. Yeah, and this is <laughs> this is why they are then saying, "Oh, culture has changed. What's happening here? Mm. It's not good anymore." The point is, it might be not good anymore for them as an individual, but it's necessary for the organization because an organization is a number of many uh, individuals, and we cannot build um, organizations, strong organizations that are built on individual interests. Yes. And, that's and also not looking into the past or exactly. the present. You need to always anticipate the future. Exactly. And uh, here's the point. Most family businesses um, don't manage to leave this relationship-driven style mm -hmm. um, because they're built on family structures. And as, in a f as you are in a family and you cannot leave your family members, you're connected if you... It's if also you, hard maybe yeah. to separate from a family exactly. member. This is somehow in the culture and so hard for family businesses to do that shift. Mm -hmm. And as I, I see a lot of companies like 100 years, 110 years, 150 years, and they're still in this relationship-driven style. It can also be an asset, um, can't it? It can be an asset um, if you bring this to the value perspective mm -hmm. and you're able to integrate to, um, the action or like acting in the interest of the company and those values. Mm. But if those values are the only um, decision-making power, yeah. uh, it, will, it will be a limit. Yeah. It will be a limit. Yeah. It will be a limit for innovation because if people don't want to change and you don't want to separate, then you're stuck. Mm. Yeah. And I see that so often. Yeah. So that's the situation and the leadership style I see most family businesses in. Um, and the leadership style most corporates are in is obviously the structure-based uh, uh, leadership style. Even yeah. maybe too admin-heavy sometimes. So, yeah, they made it. They made the shift from relationship-driven to structure. But then structure gets, a, mm. um, gets its own aim. Yeah. And uh, they don't manage to come to the next level. And the next level would be result-driven um, and um, enable, or like in, in, in addition to result-driven, if you're like focusing on the result, you can give some free space. Yeah, and you can work with principles then, right? Exactly. And create some room for trust. Mm -hmm. But if you're not result-driven, but process-driven, um, you will not be able to make the change. And this is what we see. So family business in this relationship-driven, um, corporates in those um, uh, structure-driven, a lot of startups um, linked in this uh, um, result-driven mm -hmm. um, uh, leadership style. Um, and the point is, not one of them is uh, 
the perfect one because the world is changing. So leadership style has to develop as well. Yeah. So whenever you stick into one of those and you're not um, uh, developing your personality as a leader and therefore your leadership style, um, there will be a point of time when your company will not fit the future anymore. Yeah. In case you have any feedback or anything you want to share with me, please send me an email on thomas at peoplewise.com or hit me up on LinkedIn. And in case you really enjoy the show, please subscribe. I would really appreciate it. When we talk about the future, what are the biggest trends you see for companies in leadership? What they should adapt that they don't make um, mistakes or fail? What? I didn't get the question. So what are some, some trends you would see now in leadership that companies should adapt now that they do not fail to change and transform into the future because the world is, is changing? Mm -hmm. But maybe we can also first tap into how do you see is the world changing right now for leaders? Mm. Yeah, world is uh, changing um, faster and faster and faster. Yeah, and um, insecurities and threats are going up and up and up and up, uh, which leads to a situation. Do you think it's currently linked to, to the economy, to the econ economic situation or also to technology? Or both. Both. Yeah. both. Um, it's um, economic situation. It's a tech situation. It's, um, it's a world crisis mm. uh, situ resource situation. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so this this. This will not fade yeah? mm -hmm. again. It's there. It's there and it, it will stay. And this leads to the situation that we have really complex decisions. Yeah, We're living in this VUCA world, uh, very volatile, insecure, um, complex, um, which leads to a situation that you as a leader are not able to work in a linear way any longer. What we What was uh, possible some years ago, but it is not anymore. Mm -hmm. So in order to um, cope with complexity, uh, complexity um, you as a person in your own personal development need to be able to manage complexity, which means um, coping with diverse um, uh, developments, coping with diverse um, uh, opinions, um, finding um, uh, solutions in those very um, uh, different situations, um, creating collaboration mm -hmm. um, in those silos um, because the next level is not uh, efficiency, the next level is value creation. Value creation is only possible if you connect the dots. Mm -hmm. uh, connecting the dots is only possible with collaboration. So it's a way more holistic approach. Yeah, it's a way, way more holistic approach and way more complex. And you, are, you really need, in order to uh, address that complexity, um, you need to understand how people work. Yeah? And therefore, you need to understand how emotions work. Um, and you need to integrate those emotions into your communication to be able to manage this really complex setting and still move the organization um, forward. Mm -hmm. And what we see there um, at the moment, um, or what we, what we, um, what the, the trends that we see is that um, instead of preparing for this complexity and um, instead of preparing for this um, collaboration um, need and things like that, um, leaders at the moment 
um, build comfort zones. Hmm. Yeah. So, how does a comfort zone um, look like? <laughs> how does a comfort zone look like? I'm um, uh, I'm putting together leadership teams, and um, I'm not focusing on how they can challenge us hmm. um, and how they can be uncomfortable and um, say their mind and have a real discussion culture. Mm. Um, but I'm uh, recruiting uh, yes sayers. Yeah, okay. Uh, yes sayers, and I'm not implementing feedback structures because I'm saying, oh, see, we're in a crisis. We have to act quick. Um, we don't have a lot of time mm. for integrating other opinions or feedback or whatever. We're doing what I'm saying. Um, and then they're adding a lot of people around them who say, yes, he or she is right. Um, uh, and they think, uh, of course, speed is important. Yeah. But if you're running with speed into the wrong direction, uh, because you did not hear all those other uh, opinions, that's a threat. So um, it would be really, really, really helpful to build a really diverse team. And if I'm not, if I'm, if I'm talking about diversity, I'm not talking, not only talking about um, men and women, uh, I'm talking about true diversity in terms of um, different opinions, how we work, different um, opinions, um, different, different cultures, different, different personalities, values, different personalities. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this is diversity and uh, this is needed because we need different opinions and different perspectives, how we analyze what's happening in the world. And then in the top of the leader, um, leadership team, we need someone who is able to integrate, like get those, um, opinions, communicate with every one of them and integrate those into a clear vision and then again coming back bringing this clear vision with a strong communication emotional and storytelling communication back into the team mm. and that's what we what we really need um, so it's kind of easy to say to say um, we are not hiring those who are really comfortable in the teams we should be hiring those who add new competencies we should be hiring those who add new personality traits and we should add people who are um what's the what's the english word um, um fitting to our culture but not a copy of ourselves mm -hmm. yeah um, and we should um, come up with creating discussion cultures we should educate our team members um, to learn how to discuss. This is what you see in social media. People are not trained in discussing anymore. If there is another opinion, people are against it. Yeah. Mm. And then, um, uh, waves go up. Mm. Yeah. Um, and because we're not trained in accepting other points of view and finding a way in discussing it. Mm. Yeah? Um, the other thing is uh, implementing feedback mechanisms. Yeah. So most um, uh, leadership teams I see that are not ready for the future did not implement feedback systems. They said, well, I don't want feedback because feedback is uncomfortable. I don't like it if someone um, does not like what I put my passion in. Yeah. So they're stopping to listen to people. Mm. And then they're instead of translating it in the right in, way. instead of translating it instead of saying thank you yeah. for the input um, and um, 
at some point of view, they're losing connection to the world. Yeah. And we see some strong narcissistic tendencies in very powerful people um, where you can see that this power led to a situation uh, where those people had like disconnected with the world yes. and even get um, what's happening there. I think Elon Musk is a strong example for that. Yeah, and I think these people also have a lot of insecurities that mm -hmm. they don't want to face the Exactly. The reality at a certain point, right? And, and that's dangerous. And that's dangerous. And the point is that a lot of those people go to the top because they have the power to create those comfort zones uh, again. And that's really, it, it's, it's so conflicting with what, mm. we, what, which we already need and will need. And I see that the most innovative companies, uh, those are, who are like really adapted and adaptable, um, they have those mechanisms and they are able to face the brutal facts. Mm -hmm. And you can even see it in their supervisory boards. Yeah? So uh, in, in, in Germany, we see a lot of supervisory boards who are recruited, not based on a profile, not based on um, how do we get um, challengers for our situation they're recruited on um, relationships again and um, uh, in terms of trust yeah will this person will will be a threat for me or not mm -hmm. um, and therefore we are building comfort zones in our supervisory boards as well who should be challenging us yeah? and if i'm building comfort zones everywhere yeah i'm starting to build a bubble that is saying me Everything is correct. You're doing everything correct. You are correct. Yeah. Um, and um, I'm, I'm missing to get the right data points um, to be able to build the future. Mm. Super interesting. Um, some recommendations. So what is, what is a guest that you know, I don't know who I should interview next? Hmm. Good question. Uh, you should talk to to Natasha Neumann. Mm -hmm. um, she is uh, she is the founder of uh, Freche Freunde or uh, Erdbeer. Freche Freunde is the, is the brand um, Erdbeer. Um, and uh, she really made it to build an organization that's really self-organized um, I think that's the next level of uh, of, of leadership, and uh, and she made it. She, she just returned from a um, from a world tour, one year world tour, it, uh, which was possible because uh, she was able to um, build that leadership style in her company. Yeah, if you can introduce me, I would interview her. Yeah. Ah. Cool. Yeah, thank you, Constance, for your time. It was really insightful. Um, great cool. episode. It was a pleasure. <laughs>